listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm going to jump in. There's a lot to talk about for these next three nights. I'm going to be dealing, as you saw, with um, exposing the devil's playbook for 2023. Um, And we're going to talk about three things over these next three days uh, that will be very important for you to know moving forward. And um, that's definitely why I want to to do this. I normally um, uh, am not live at night like this, but I wanted to uh, do this special three-day series for you guys because uh, as we get ready to cross over into the new year, um, I want I want to see you obviously flourish. I want to see you um, supernaturally impact the generation with what you're called to do, not just uh, as a Christian, but you every, every person that's watching, every person that's uh, you know a part of the body of Christ has a specific purpose. And without question, the enemy, wants to shut down the church, the work of Christ on the earth. But um, I'm going to show you something tonight, tomorrow, and Thursday night that's not only going to build your faith, but it's important that we're not, as the Bible says, ignorant of the devil's devices. We are not ignorant of the devil's devices. We know exactly what he's trying to do. We know uh, why he's trying to do it. And so... Over these next three sessions, I'm going to deal with one thing in each session that the devil is working hard to bring to pass uh, against the church, and you need to be ready for it. We say, what do you mean by that? Well, um, you need to be ready in faith. See, the better way to explain this is this. When the enemy tries to attack or to stand against the body of Christ, he'll use a very specific means to try to manipulate and control. I was recently preaching in um, Fitchburg, Massachusetts last week. And um, on Sunday, I felt to preach about uh, dominion over the Antichrist agenda. Dominion over the Antichrist agenda. So one of the things you'll see throughout the entire Bible, entire Bible, Old and New Testament, whether it's an anti-God spirit in the Old Testament or an anti-Christ spirit in the New Testament. The two things that mark that spirit are manipulation and control. Manipulation and control. And when you start to see the devil try his hardest to attack the church, one of the things you're going to see is the manipulation and control. He doesn't have authority over the church. He doesn't have dominion over you. He doesn't have the power to shut down what God's doing. So what does he try to do? By deception, he tries to manipulate and control what's going on in the earth. That's been his uh, prerogative for thousands of years, for thousands of years. And so in this broadcast, I want to show you something that's going to help you a lot. And over these next three days, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Take a minute to share before we jump in. I'm going to um, show you something that if you haven't seen this before, um, you need to see it. You need to see it. This is the kind of stuff that 
uh, I'm, I'm talking about. This is the kind of stuff that uh, is going on right now behind the scenes that you may or may not know, you may or may not understand. So um, I'm going to show you a picture in just a second that came, to, uh, came as a surprise to a lot of people. The picture that I'm getting ready to show came as a surprise to a lot of people. And uh, it caused some serious uh, controversy within the body of Christ. All right. So let me show you this. What, what you're getting ready to see is this man's name is Richard Land. Richard Land. You say, well, who was he? He was the head of the Southern Baptist Convention Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. It's known as the ERLC. The head of the Southern Baptist Ethics, which is actually ironic and funny, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. And, um, and he was spotted, <laughs> he was spotted with a very interesting briefcase. And so take a look at this photo. This is Richard Land. He is the, again, the former head of the uh, Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty. Okay, so maybe you can't see that very clearly, obviously. Uh, we'll, we'll zoom it in for you. So this, this is what's on his briefcase. And you can see it. The World Economic Forum logo. The World Economic Forum logo. What in the world is going on with this? So uh, obviously, that's a problem. <laughs> you can come back to me. So, so what's the deal here? This guy, who apparently... Uh, holds this high leadership position with their ethics committee, with their religious liberty commission, is toting around a World Economic Forum briefcase. An extremely globalist, anti-Christ organization. And, he, and of course, you know, uh, if you followed my broadcast or uh, others, you've, if, you've, if you've followed, you know what's going on with this anti-Christ globalist agenda that's, you know, on the earth. Um, <laughs> you know what the World Economic Forum's up to. You know what Klaus Schwab and his globalist goons are up to over in Switzerland. They have a plan uh, of control. I've played on this broadcast uh, the video describing what could be the possible future through Agenda 2030. We've gone through all of that. I won't play it again. But you start to see this. All right. Now the Southern Baptist Convention is in deep heat. Um, I edited there at the end. They're in deep heat. Why? Because they found out now, and they're being investigated by the FBI. Southern Baptist Convention uh, investigated by the FBI. Why now? Uh, the same issues that we saw going on in the Catholic Church uh, as far as ethics are the similar problems that are going on now in the Southern Baptist Convention where they've found out that they have an entire database of uh, pastors that have been uh, abusing people in their congregations. And just like the Catholic Church did with their priests, they're just kind of moving them around the country, protecting them, covering it up. And so I'm sure all of those results will come out after the FBI investigation is finished. But uh, as you know, the Bible talks about this, the fact that in the last days, in the final days, there will be people who will depart from the faith, that the love of many will grow cold. We know that that's Bible prophecy. And in fact, I want to 
um, I want to show you, and I'm going to start tonight because, okay, first of all, he was questioned. Richard Land questioned about his briefcase. What are you doing um, with this World Economic Forum briefcase? I've, his answer is very dismissive. Guilty by, pre, guilty by briefcase, he said. That's uh, a first. I've never heard that one before, he said. Here's actually his, uh, his quote. Guilt by briefcase. That's a new one. I'm not a globalist. Okay. Well, let me just tell you something. I don't care how nice the swag is. Like, literally, I don't care if you brought me a Louis Vuitton briefcase. I was like, listen, I just want to give you this Louis Vuitton briefcase. Only thing is, it's got a World Economic Forum logo on the outside. <laughs> Apparently, Louis Vuitton did a collab with the WEF. Um, I wouldn't care if it was the nicest Louis Vuitton briefcase. I wouldn't care what brand it was. I wouldn't care if it was a gift. I wouldn't care how much it cost. I wouldn't care what it was made out of. It could be made out of solid gold with diamonds all around. I wouldn't carry it around. I'm not going to carry it around. So, and then he makes the, uh, uh, the statement here in the article. No, I've written articles. Uh, I've written recent articles, actually, condemning George Soros and his... It's like, okay, so why are you toting around a World Economic Forum briefcase. And by the way, it was not Louis Vuitton. It was barely, it looked like it came from J.C. Penney's film. Uh, it was all torn up. So like, well, what's the point? So if you're not a globalist, if you don't support the World Economic Forum and their agenda, why are you carrying around their briefcase? And I don't believe these people. I don't believe, I don't believe these guys. I have, I have no trust in them. No trust in them. Um, and I'm not just on here spouting out allegations, but when I found out that pastors were being paid uh, to get their congregation members jabbed over the last two years and they were paying this much money per head, it made me start to think that maybe not everybody with a platform is on the up and up. That's just me. You may have a different view. That's my view. But I want to I wanna start with you tonight. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want to read this to you, and then we're going to cover each one of these three things that the devil is going to attempt to use to stop the work of God and to stop what you're called to do uh, as we move forward into the future toward the coming of Christ. And we can see that we're close to the final moments of time. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now listen to this. This is prophecy. This is Paul prophesying. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. All right, well, let's stop right there. Are we in the last days? Yes. When did the last days start? Bonus points for anybody that puts it in the comments first. In fact, I will send a Starbucks gift card to the first person that puts in the comments when the last days began. Anybody. When does the Bible say that it started? <clears throat> and we actually have a very clear way to know this because uh, it was a prophecy fulfilled. That's right. Tanya Mullen is the winner on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost. Uh, when God poured out his spirit upon all flesh. That's exactly right. That's when the last days began. 
And the Bible says that Peter stood up and quoted the prophet Joel. What did he say? In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Well, that was the day. That was the fulfillment. That's why he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He was referring, the this he's referring to is the believers being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, prophesying. That was, that's the this that he's referring to. This is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So, Paul said, understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Well, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. So now we're coming towards uh, what could be the end of the last days. And we could be in the last moments of the last day. We're living that way anyway. Uh, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now look at this, verse 5, very important for tonight because this is number one that we're dealing with in this uh, three-part series, having the appearance of godliness but denying its what? Power. Avoid such people. Avoid such people. All right. Um, Let me go back here now to 1 Thessalonians. Let me just give you the groundwork and then I'm going to get into this. Three areas uh, that the devil, by that Antichrist spirit, wants to manipulate and control. And I want you to hear this in light of Bible prophecy. We know that the Bible is very clear about what will happen through the Antichrist. What what does the Bible say? Revelation tells us in Revelation Revelation chapter 3, the Bible says that there will come a time where he will place a mark upon the right hand and the forehead of every person and they'll not be able to buy or sell without that mark. So what does that mean? That will be manipulation and control manipulation and control, right? And also religious manipulation and control. They'll only worship the beast. They'll only bow down. See, so there's always a manipulation and control to the Antichrist spirit. Well, in order to be able to do that, right, there has to be a power that is greater than the Antichrist, which is removed. And and Paul prophesied that as well. He said there'll come a time that the one who is restraining him who is the Antichrist, must be removed, moved out of the way. You know, we believe that that is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Spirit. We have dominion, we have power, we have authority through the Holy Ghost. And we can restrain. There's a reason that the devil can't just do whatever he wants to do right now. We're still here. And as long as we're here, we have the dominion that God gave us, we have the authority that Christ gave us, and we have the ability to... Uh, Use the name of Jesus, right? So we're not under the devil's control. He actually has to answer to the church. He has to answer to the church. So I go to 1 Thessalonians 5 because I want you to get this now. Three areas, these next three days. This is number one. um, And I'll explain it in a moment. But look at 1 Thessalonians 5. As this book, this letter is closing, Paul's bringing it to a close. He... uh, speaks out about 
what they should do and what they should not do. What they should not do. Okay. What is it? Verse 16, first Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now look at here, some warnings. Do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil, right? So let's, let's look at that for a minute. This is a command to the church. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Uh, what's another passage of scripture say? Do not forbid speaking in tongues, right? Do not forbid speaking in tongues. So there's three things. Let's deal with that. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophecies and don't forbid speaking in tongues. Now there's a lot of people in the church today that are moving fully away from the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So as I go over these three things over the next three days that the enemy wants to use to try to shut down the effectiveness of the church, can't take the church's power, but he can do what he can to try to stop the effectiveness of the church. And the first one that I'm dealing with tonight in this session is to try to thwart the moving of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural aspect of the church. And so I would call it um, anti-supernatural. So if you're putting it in there, I want you to put the number one, that's tonight's subject, is that the enemy is working hard to get people to be anti-supernatural. Number one, anti-supernatural. I'm going to deal with that, and I'm going to deal tonight with why it's important that we are a supernatural church. I'm going to talk about that. This is the, one of the, the number one things, and we're going, to, we're going to deal with that in a moment. Anti-supernatural. And so put it in the comments and get this in your spirit. Uh, we are commanded, now watch, watch how crazy this is. We are commanded to not be anti-supernatural. Did you notice that? We're commanded by the apostles to not be anti-supernatural. So no, notice, let me, let me give you this. We're called to be supernatural. Number one, um, don't quench the spirit. That means let the spirit move. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Let him do what he wants to do. Let him do what he wants to do. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. So that means be open to the move of, of the Holy Spirit when it comes to prophecy. Receive prophecy. Now, let me, let me go on to say the Bible also defines what New Testament prophecy actually is. It is for edification. It is for exhortation. It is for comfort. Get those three things. It's for edification. It's for exhortation and comfort. Three things. So prophecy in, should encompass at least one of those three things. Have you been edified? Did you know even Old Testament prophecy, it was never just doom and gloom. There was a light at the end of the tunnel. If you'll turn from your wicked ways, then God will spare you. God will bless you. God will send rain. And but if you don't, 
right? There's prophecy that would come, that there'll be judgment that comes. So notice, even in the old covenant, it wasn't just a straight word of gloom and doom. God's judging you. God's just right. And there would, even, there, there would even be light at the end of the tunnel. There's always an if then. If you'll do this, then God will spare you. God will bless you. But if not, right? And I'll tell you, one of the things that blows my mind, you go on social media today, everybody is just prophesying straight up gloom and doom. God's judging America. God's passed over America. God's getting ready to destroy America. I mean, everybody you listen to, every TikTok prophet, every Facebook prophet, every Instagram prophet that you hear, and all these doom and gloom, God's done with it. He's judging America. But, and I don't believe it, nor do I receive it. I'm not comforted by that. I'm not edified by it. I'm not exhorted by it. I don't receive it. Plus, it does not line up with God's law of seed time and harvest. The Bible says in Genesis 8:22, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes to the Galatians and says, whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. This nation that I'm teaching you from, if you're watching from another nation, I'm in the United States, you're watching me, I'm in South Florida, uh, and you can understand, this has been the nation, the number one nation, over the last, what, 200 years, 100 years, that has sown revival around the world, that has sent missionaries, that has sent Bibles, that has sent help, that has preached the gospel, that has brought people to Jesus. Don't tell me that our nation sowed all of that help to the world, and in the final moments of time, God's going to refuse us our harvest of help, our harvest of revival, our harvest of a move of the Holy Spirit. No, we are due. It's our due season. Hallelujah. It is our due season for a blessing, a harvest, revival, a move of the Holy Ghost. In fact, I want you to put it in the comments. It's our due season. In Jesus' name. It's our due season right now. God's going to move. So the devil wants the church to be an anti-supernatural church. Why do you think? I mean, how... How absurd is it to have an evangelical Christian leader that is spending time with these wicked people, carrying around their briefcase, carrying around their logo, carrying around their agenda? Foolishness. And we're supposed to be okay with the fact that there are people that are in bed with demonically inspired globalists and acting like it's not the case. Bible says there'll be people that have a form of godliness and deny its power. The Southern Baptist Convention, along with others, are notorious for being cessationists. They don't believe that the apostolic gifts continue on to today. They don't believe in divine healing. They don't believe in the miracle working power. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. They don't believe, they don't believe in these things. They preach against them. They preach against them. But Jesus Christ is not changed. God is not changed. The power of the church is not changed. Show me one place in the New Testament where God changed his order of doing things in the church. Never did. He never did. In fact, if you are um, knowledgeable enough to read some of the early church fathers, like Polycarp, Irenaeus, and others, you'll find out that they were still seeing apostolic miracles take place during the first and second century churches, third century. 
I mean, before the peace of the church, I mean, they were still seeing those things happen. Exorcisms, healings. They were even one mentioned, uh, we know, we know of groups of people that they speak in, speak in other languages. So they were seeing these things happen after the church was formed, after the canon of, of scripture was closed. After the last original apostle of the Lamb died, John the Revelator. So don't tell me these things, don't tell me these things are not for today. There's nowhere in the Bible. In fact, I just got done having lunch with a friend of mine, and I know that he holds uh, views that are um, more leaning more towards uh, Reformed, Reformed theology, Baptist theology, if you will. Um, not to say that he's a Baptist, I just know that he's Reformed. But he said, even the scriptures they use to push that stuff, even he agreed with me. Very thin argument. 1 Corinthians 13, tongues will cease. These things, yeah, it's talking about when we get to heaven, not now. It's talking about when we get to heaven, knowledge will cease. Well, has knowledge ceased? No, tongues have not ceased. These things will cease when we get to heaven. And so this group of cessationists, all that means is they believe that the work of the Holy Spirit has ceased. It's come to an end. What, what, what are you developing? An anti-supernatural church. We're, we were never called to be an anti-supernatural church. All Go through the whole New Testament. Every church is a supernatural church. Supernatural church. Believing in supernatural power of God to manifest in their church assemblies. And so the, the work of the devil is to make Christianity, especially now, an anti-supernatural group. We don't believe in miracles. We don't believe in the power of God. We don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We don't believe in spiritual gifts. We don't believe in tongues and interpretation. We don't believe in prophecy. I mean, that, that's exactly what the devil wants. He would love to fight against a weakened church. And the moment you strip the church, and really you can't strip the church, it's the church stripping themselves of the move of the Holy Ghost. You the devil can't strip you of your power. The devil can't strip you of your anointing, can't strip you of your authority. So it's really the church stripping themselves by not stepping out into these things by obedience, teaching against them, operating against them. And I want to make a, make a point here. Isn't it interesting that um, Paul says, do not quench the spirit, that word quench, to put out the fire of, if you will. Do not put out the fire. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting? Same verbiage that's used in Ephesians chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And putting on the whole armor of God that you may uh, stand against the devil. So what does he say? And the shield of faith, which is able to quench. Look at that. Every fiery dart of the wicked one. Notice, there are people, you'll make a choice. You will either quench what the devil's doing or you will quench what the Holy Spirit is doing. I want you to get that in your spirit. That's a heavy word. It's a heavy word. People will either quench what the devil is doing or they will quench what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I know which side of that line I'm on. I know I, I'm going to align myself continually with what Jesus did. Notice the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 that Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. Christ came, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
So get this. I, I don't know if you've ever heard it like this or uh, heard these things, um, you know, set at opposition with one another. But it's the same verbiage. Don't quench the Holy Spirit, but the shield of faith will quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. So notice that the devil is sending fiery darts, but the Holy Spirit is moving by the fire of God. Hallelujah. Moving by the fire of God. You say, well, what is the fire of God? You know, people, I, I, it's, it's funny to me how people that are anti-charismatic, anti-Pentecostal make fun of that term. Like, oh, the fire of God. They're always talking about the fire of God. Yes, the Bible calls it that. Read Deuteronomy chapter 6. Maybe crack a Bible every once in a while. The Bible says, our God is a consuming fire. It's the fire of God. It's the fire of God. His word is like fire, the Bible says. Jeremiah, these people, they want me to stop prophesying in your name, stop speaking your name. But every time I try to stop, your word is like fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary of holding it in. His word is like fire. When Elijah spoke to God on top of Mount Carmel, in front of the prophets of Baal, God spoke back. And when he spoke back, his fire consumed the sacrifice. Hallelujah. God, our God is a consuming fire. Who do you think was in the burning bush? It was a pre-incarnate Christ who is the word made flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John 1.1. 1, 1. The word. Notice there, the word was speaking out of the bush. The word was speaking. The bush wasn't consumed. You know why? The bush wasn't on fire. It's the word that's on fire. It's the word that's on fire. And the word was burning in the bush. That's the fire of God. The Bible's Jesus said when, when uh, John the Baptist said, when, when he who comes, that I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandal. He said, when he comes, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Two separate things. With the Holy Ghost and with fire. Our God is a consuming fire. So you can either quench the work of the Holy Spirit which Paul commanded us not to do. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. But, or, you can hold up the shield of faith and quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. And that's us. We are called, we are anointed to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. And so I'm watching it happen. I'm watching all this nonsense. I'm watching churches and Christians and preachers back away from the move of the Holy Ghost because they think it'll be more inviting to those that are seeking the truth. It'll be more inviting to those. And that's total, total bullcrap. Total bullcrap. Because let me tell you, these little community style, uh, basically gatherings that are like social clubs, they, and I've been to them, carry no power to set the captives free. None. None. As evidenced by their Zero salvations, baptisms, no power. You just wonder, I don't know why nobody's getting healed in our church. I know why. I don't know why nobody's getting delivered from addictions in our church. I know why. I don't know why anybody's married. No, no marriages are being restored. I know why. I don't understand. I can't understand why everything keeps going south in our church. I can tell you why. If you keep pushing the Holy Spirit out of his own church and then wonder why his help is not there, why, why his power is not there. And I'm just going to be very honest with you. This is an anti, I believe with all my heart 
that this entire movement of seeker sensitivity, while it may have began with a good intention, I believe it is a demonic push for the end time church to step away from the moving or the power of the Holy Ghost. Because if you look at the ministry of Christ, if you look at the apostles ministry, if you look at the early church ministry, it was full of the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. And in fact, if you go to 1 Corinthians, we're talking about a church that was extremely, extremely immature. The Corinthians were extremely immature. If you think that too many words in tongues, too many prophecies at the same time was their main issue in Corinth, you've not read the letters to the Corinthians because those things were far from their biggest problems far from their biggest problems. Go read the book for yourself. Read both of them. You'll find out that that was not their main issue. In fact, Paul said, he said, concerning spiritual gifts, verse uh, one of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, one, uh, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed. You go down to the end. Verse 31, earnestly desire higher gifts. And I'll I'll show you still a more excellent way. Well, of course, love is more excellent than the gifts because God is love. You got to walk in love to walk in faith. So obviously love is a higher thing. But then you keep on going with Paul. He said, listen, I'm not trying to stop you from speaking in tongues. I don't want you to speak in tongues less. He said, in fact, I speak in tongues more than all of you do. He was talking about a, a church service so that there's not chaos. He's not trying to shut down tongues. He's not trying to shut down prophecies. He's saying, no, 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 don't forbid uh, speaking in tongues. Do not uh, uh, despise prophecies. Don't quench the Holy Spirit, but do everything decently and in order. So he wasn't against the move of the Holy Ghost. That's what built his, you you see, his ministry was built on that. So was Peter's. So was uh, John's. So was Philip's. In fact, go with me to Acts chapter eight. Let's talk about what takes place What takes place through a supernatural ministry? Why is it so important to have a supernatural Christianity? The way the early church did, the way Christ did, the way the apostles did, that that model has not changed. The devil wants it to change, but it's not changed. That's an anti-Christ thought process. We need to be more secular in our approach. We need to make sure that we're making the visitors comfortable. Where's that in the Bible? Where's that in the Bible? We need to make sure visitors are more comfortable when they come to church so that they don't feel awkward or out of place. Where's that in the Bible? How can you, let me ask you another question. How can you have conviction for sin and somebody be comfortable at the same time? You can't have those two things, which is why seeker-sensitive churches don't preach against sin. That would make, it'd be a very uncomfortable service for the visitors that are there who are living in sin. So they don't touch that. They just tell you how great you're doing. Everything's going to be okay. God loves us all no matter where we're at. Hey, hey, you may not believe in God, but he believes in you. Like one of the dumbest things I've ever heard anyone say. You may not believe in God, but he believes in you. That's stupidity. It's absolute stupidity. But understand why it's important to have a supernatural aspect to Christianity. Because it sets us apart from all other religions. All other religions. 
You say, well, what about the word, the word of God? Yes, this is supernatural. The Bible you hold in your hand is a supernatural collection of books. There's no question about it. The inspired, inerrant word of God is, in and of itself, supernatural. It's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. Just the prophecy in it is a miracle. Over 85% of Bible prophecy has already come to pass. Already. One person referred to it as history written in advance. In advance. I'm I'm looking at the Bible. I'm not calling it... uh, Uh, not a supernatural thing. This is supernatural. This is supernatural. But there ought to be manifestations of God's power as the word is preached, as we saw through the whole Bible. Look at this now. Um, Acts chapter 8. Philip, who was really just a, a, you know, a Christian, encountered persecution in Jerusalem. The Bible says, uh, verse 4, Acts 8, 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Talking about Jesus, verse 6. And the crowds, now I I want you to get this part because here's what I'm talking about. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. What signs? For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. So I want you to get get what happened here. Philip, who was a believer that we later hear him referred to as Philip the Evangelist, preaches Christ with manifestations with manifestations, casting demons out of people. People are healed. People are healed by the power of God. So what did it cause the crowd to do? And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. Let me tell you, the supernatural aspect of Christianity makes people stop and take a listen to what's being said. Makes people stop and take a listen to what's being said. And we know this because we've seen this happen even in these outdoor crusades in the United States of America. We've seen people changed and touched by the power of God. They're not even Christians. And when they see God move, they stop and take a look. They they have to acknowledge this is not normal. This is supernatural. Supernatural. I'll tell you a story. One time, I went with my father. We were up in uh, Canada on uh, one of the First Nations reserves. In fact, the first white people to ever be allowed to preach like that on the reserve, ever, in the history of the reserve. And the chiefs, the council, gave my father permission. We set up the tent on the reserve and um, holding services every night, preaching, power of God, people getting saved. One night, there was a young lady, and I don't know if it was her husband, boyfriend, that were set, standing outside the tent, but like right on the pole line, just kind of standing right at the end of the tent by the flap, watching the service with their baby stroller. And um, while my dad was preaching, he called out with a word of knowledge 
for that uh, family and said, uh, the Lord shows me that your baby, now think about how accurate of a word this is and how supernatural. The Lord shows me that your baby was born with no genitalia, but God's going to work a miracle for your baby. I mean, you should have seen them break down and cry because how could anybody know that? Baby was born deformed with no genitalia. They prayed. That night, listen to this, that night when they went home to change the baby's diaper and took the diaper off, there was fully formed male genitalia on that baby. You better believe that they came back the next night and came straight to the altar and gave their heart to Jesus. Why? Because when you have a supernatural aspect to Christianity, it makes people take heed or pay attention to the gospel message. Without question, without question, even, you know, it's like it wasn't different for Jesus ministry. It was the same for Jesus ministry. You know, there were many that didn't believe, but at the same time, there were many who did believe in him. Listen to John, the gospel of John chapter two and verse 23, John two twenty-three. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. You see that? Many believed in his name when they saw what? The signs that he was doing. So these signs and these wonders, these acts of God, this is the power of the Holy Ghost at work. It's not a man. It's God working through men and women to bring about this desired result. And what does it do? It makes people pay attention, according to Scripture. It makes people believe on the name of Jesus Christ. The gospel, uh, in fact, Paul thought this way. It's not just Jesus that thought like this. It's, it's not just Philip that saw this happen in his ministry. Did you notice? Even the apostle Paul made this his norm. I want to read this to you. Paul had a realization he went to Athens, and Paul was an extremely, extremely educated man. Very educated, very smart. Sat at the feet of Gamaliel. This man was no joke. But when he went to Athens, the Bible teaches, in the book of Acts, he got into the Areopagus, and this is a place where all these philosophers are sitting around. Epic. Uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers sitting around debating philosophy, debating religion. They've got all these statues and idols, and he finds a pedestal that's dedicated to the unknown God, and he tries to debate them, and he tries to use human wisdom, tries to use his education. Do you know what the result was? Let me tell you the result. It was the worst endeavor of Paul's entire ministry, his worst endeavor. The Bible says, and only a few believed, only a few. Others said, you're crazy. And yet others said, we'll listen to you again about these matters. It's not like the whole place, there was a revival, the whole place got saved, they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. It was his worst result ever. Why? Because this is not a natural thing. You can't debate people into the kingdom of God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. No man can be saved unless the Spirit of God draws him. It's not done by uh, might nor by power. So, so look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he learned his lesson, and now he comes to the Corinthians. And listen to this, I'll start with verse 1 and read through verse 4. 
Paul said, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Why? He learned his lesson. I'm not relying on wisdom again. For I decided to not to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Look at verse 4. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see that? Paul said, just like what happened with Philip, Paul's the same, Christ is the same, John's the same, Peter's the same. They all understand how it functions. When you see the power of God at work, it allows people to recognize there's something different. Even, even when the Pharisees tried to doubt Jesus that he was the son of God, ready to pick up stones to stone him because he said, I'm the son of God. And they said, oh, you, that's blasphemy that you make yourself like God. He said, let me ask you a question. If you don't believe me, at least believe my works, right? At least believe my works, John chapter 10. If you don't believe me, the word, what I'm preaching, look at the miracles. How can I not be who I say I am? Look at the miracles. That's what Jesus is saying to them, right? Look at the, John's disciples came to Jesus, right? John's in prison. John's disciples come to Jesus. What do they ask? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Or should we keep looking for someone else? He said, go tell John the things you've seen and heard. The blind see, the deaf hear. I mean, he goes right down the list of miracles. What was Jesus doing? Pointing to his miracles to prove that he was the son of God. What was Philip doing in Samaria? He was continuing to work signs, wonders, and miracles to prove that he was preaching the message of Christ that works. What did Paul do with the Corinthians? He said, I came in the power and in demonstration of the spirit so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. This is the method. This was New Testament Christianity. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Well, we got to make sure first that, you know, the elders of the church, if they're called, if those gifts are still functioning in their lives, even functioning at all. Um, no, no. And so you understand it's not just the 12 uh, apostles of the lamb that were doing these things. The 70 were doing them. And then beyond then, the early church was doing them. I'll just tell you very plainly, if you read the, the gospel of, of Mark and you're reading the end, the extended part there at the end, it's very interesting to me that the Bible says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to the, all of creation, and whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Watch. And these signs will accompany those that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up serpents with their hands. Drink any deadly thing, it'll not harm them. Lay their hands on the sick, they'll recover. That's not talking about the apostles who preached the gospel and got them saved. It's talking about the people who just got saved. These signs will follow who? Them that believe. Those that hear your message and are converted and come into the kingdom of God, signs will follow them too. Are they... Uh, apostles of the Lamb? Are they the 12 apostles? No. 
They are Christians. Uh, the Bible says going to all the world. So wherever they go, wherever converts are made, wherever disciples are made, those same signs should be following the disciples. Amen. Same signs. What did Jesus prophesy? John chapter 14 and verse 12. The works that I do, you will do them also. And greater works than these, because I'm going to be with my Father. Later he says, and I will send you another comforter. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. And you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. So get this now in your spirit. This whole New Testament, uh, the entire, the entire uh, panorama of the New Testament teaches this overarching theme that Christianity is a supernatural religion. It's a supernatural religion. Christ was supernatural. His apostles became supernatural. Their converts became supernatural. And throughout the church, first century, second century, third century, we have the writings of the fathers to even show that it continued on. It's not supposed to be an anti-supernatural religion. It's not supposed to be that. And whatever, watch this now, whatever it's supposed to be, if that is perverted, then it becomes what the devil wants. So if we're supposed to be supernatural, then what does the devil try to do to the church? Cause them to be a anti-supernatural group, which is anti-Christ, anti-God. It is a demonic agenda to try to stop what we're called to do, which is to see people changed by the power of God. It's to see people changed by the Holy Ghost. And I know there's people that they don't believe this. And that's, that's why it, they're unbelievers. There's people that are Christians that don't believe. You say, well, well, hold on a second. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah, there's people that they believe the message about Christ, but they don't believe this. They don't believe, that's who I'm talking about. These, these cessationists, these anti-supernatural that have yielded themselves to what Paul said not to do. Don't quench the spirit. Well, brother, we're not quenching the spirit because people are still getting saved. You know, people are still getting saved in our, in our services. And so we're making disciples. And so that's, that's us not quenching the spirit. Okay. When was the last time a sick person called upon the elders of your church? When was the last time you anointed someone with oil? When was the last time you prayed the prayer of faith and the Lord raised them up? When's the last time you laid your hands on somebody and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost? Because I don't know any other way to look at the New Testament narrative and think that there's any other way that these things took place because it was the example of the apostles. I don't know, I don't know how, there's no other way taught. All the people that you read through in the book of Acts, they were already Christians before they got baptized with the Holy Ghost. Day of Pentecost had passed. Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, these were Christians. So what's the deal? I don't see any other way to look at this other than churches are just simply walking away. Why? Well, it's just, it's, it's a little awkward. It's a little weird. You know, we've kind of scheduled our services in such a way that we can get people in and out. You know, we get a second and a third service. And so, you know, that's not, we, those aren't really things to, to do on a Sunday morning, brother. So, so what's the point? You have a, uh, you might as well be Buddhist. You might as well be Muslim. You might as well be, uh, you know, the Baha'i religion. You might as well be any other false religion. Might as well be Catholic. What's the point? 
if you're not going to do what Jesus commanded. And see, this is what the devil wants. So what am I teaching you tonight on this, in this, this first session? I'm, I'm giving you three things this week because there are three main areas that the devil wants to attack to manipulate and control the church and to keep us from doing what we're called to do. As we get ready to move through this final quarter of this year and cross over into 2023, it's going to be a year of transformation. We better be ready to go full blast on all three of these things that I'm going to be teaching these next two nights after this. Because I'm telling you, there's work to be done. Christ is coming soon. You have a call upon your life. You're anointed. Do not let the devil stop you from doing what you've been anointed and you've been called to do. And let me just tell you, if you're watching me, I don't care if it's the replay or not. I want you to get this in your spirit. Don't allow the enemy to talk you out of the fact that you are anointed. You are called. You've got a purpose. You are a member of the body, which means you have a function that is very important. Don't let the guilt, the shame, the past, none of that try to keep you out of what God's called you to do. Move forward. Faith moves forward. doesn't keep looking behind itself. It looks forward. Keep looking forward. Keep pressing toward the mark, the high calling in Christ Jesus. Run your race. Finish your course. It's like Paul said, do the same thing. Run your race. Finish your course. Let the bl- put the blinders on so that you only see what your purpose is in front of you. Let everything else fall to the wayside. Let everything else fall to the wayside. And go after it. And as we move into 2023, let me tell you, now listen, I prophesied this in November of 2019, that in 2020, something was going to happen that would bring a massive separation in the church. And I prophesied in West Virginia, November, that got those that you thought that I was in, says the Lord, those that you, things that you thought I built, that you thought I was in, I never built them. I was not in them. They were built by man. They were built by flesh and they'll be torn down, torn down down, torn down. And you look at some of the things that have happened over the last two years in the Christian community and you tell me they've not been torn down. Some of the biggest things in the world have been torn down. I'm not rejoicing over that. I'm I'm saying it's happened. I'm not clapping and saying, oh, I'm so glad they're gone. It's a sad thing when those that are serving the Lord fall down. But again, if you push the Holy Ghost out, you don't want to do what the Word of God says. Notice, and then what was the other part? Others will be raised up. Maybe you've never heard their names, but they stood for the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you this. Anybody that I've watched stand for the Holy Ghost over these last two years, God has exalted them. God has lifted them up supernaturally we've let me tell you my wife and i and this team we have not stopped once over these last what's it been now 27 months 29 months we've not stopped once continued kept laying hands on people kept traveling kept preaching we didn't back down. We didn't social distance. We didn't get everybody, well, we're just going to play a prayer, prayer just far away. Everybody stay far away. Nope. Did not. Kept preaching. Kept praying. Kept laying hands. Kept seeing people healed. Kept seeing people saved. 
I'm going to tell you, and the blessing that came from that only came from the Lord because it couldn't have been me. Anybody that I've watched stand for God over the last 29 months, God has taken them by his mighty right hand and exalted them. And those that didn't stand for God are in a mess. They're in a mess. You can see how powerful and important it is to stay on the message of faith and to be somebody that is not anti-supernatural. All these churches that were supposed to be Holy Ghost filled. Well, we just feel it would be wisdom right now to not come together because, you know, you want to be in grace. And they're in trouble. Boiling water. All the same people that were preaching. How many know the church is not the building? It's not about where we gather. We are the church. The church is in you. All those same people that were preaching that for two years were quickly flipping back to, how many know it's important to be back in the house of God? And we're just calling everybody to be back in the house. Yeah. Stick with the Holy Ghost. Stick with the power of God. Stick with faith. Because if you, you, the moment you move outside of what God's doing into anti-supernatural territory, you'll feel the effects of it. You'll feel the effects of anti-supernatural Christianity because it's a slap in the face to God. It's a slap in the face to Christ who shed his blood for the power of God to be poured out upon all flesh. It's not just for the Jews. Uh, we, in Bible study made simple, our group that we were teaching the Bible in, you know, literally every week, we just came through the book of Galatians. And one of the things that we came through with the book of Galatians was the main understanding that this was not just for the Jews. A Jew, as Paul said to the Romans, is not one who is a Jew outwardly, but a Jew is one who is one inwardly. It's not the circumcision of the flesh. It's the circumcision of the heart. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you want to jump in on Bible study made simple, it's launching again, reopening on October the 26th. And I'm telling you, it'd be a good idea to go to that link on the screen and sign up because it will open your eyes. It'll open your eyes to some of these things. And so I'm just telling you right now, that's the whole point, is that the supernatural aspect of Christianity, one of the main arguments that Paul used with the Galatians uh, in regards to these false teachers that were trying to force them to be circumcised, to be saved, he said, don't you realize you're already saved? You say, how do I know? It's because you've got the Holy Spirit sealing your salvation and, he said, you've got the Holy Spirit working amongst your group. That should be enough proof to know because he doesn't work in that way in those that are unbelievers. It's not an anti-supernatural religion and it is a slap in the face to Christ who shed his blood so that he could pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And that's what he's done. I mean, he couldn't do that in the Old Testament. Jesus said, I can't put new wine into old wine skins. They burst. So now we've got the Holy Spirit and there's people that want to push back from the Holy Ghost. It's insane. It's insane and it's anti-Christ. You'll not find anywhere where Christ was anti-supernatural, where the apostles were anti-supernatural, where the early church was anti-supernatural. In fact, if people started to become anti-supernatural, they got rebukes. Don't quench the Holy Ghost. Don't despise prophecies. Right? Don't forbid speaking in tongues. Don't be anti-supernatural. It's a slap in the face to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. It's exactly what it is. 
And people can mock it and make fun of it all they want to. But it's going to be one of the major things because as I get ready to pray for you, get this in your spirit. As we come to the end of time, the Bible's very clear. The hearts of many will grow cold. People will fall away from the faith. Uh, the Bible teaches beyond that, not just that, but beyond that, there will be people who will uh, have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. That's who we're seeing today. People that have a form of godliness, a form, but they're denying the power. Where's the power? Where's the, that's what I'd be asking. Where's the power? I have people contact me and my wife all the time. We're not, we're not sure. And I did a broadcast about this. Should you, when is it actually time to leave a church? One of the things we talked about is when they start doing what the Bible says not to and quenching the work of the Holy Ghost, quenching the power of God. They don't let the Spirit of God move. They don't let the, the, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit uh, operate in their church. They shut it down. No tongues are allowed to be given. No prophecies are allowed to be given. Nobody shout. Nobody. They don't want it. Don't speak in tongues. In the, I mean, give me a break. Where's the power? Where's the power? And let me just encourage every single one of you that are watching me right now, that as we come into, towards, uh, come into 2023, towards the end of what we're calling this dispensation of grace, I don't know when Christ is coming. The Bible, Bible says no man knows the hour or the day when Christ will return, but we can know the season and we're in the season. We're in the season of Christ's return and it's time to get to work, but we can't get to work without a supernatural Christianity. It's mind-blowing to me that the largest, most effective and impactful churches on the earth are Pentecostal churches. Anywhere you go. Anywhere. It's the power of the Holy Ghost we need to do the work. Isn't it interesting to you that Jesus said to his disciples, tarry in Jerusalem. Till what? Till you're endued with power from on high. Don't go preach. Don't go lay hands on people. Don't, don't, don't do any of that. I'm leaving. Don't you do anything until you're filled with power from on high. That's the end of the book of Luke. Don't do anything until you're filled with power with power from on high. Hallelujah. That's Luke 24, 49. Behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. They needed the power. We need the power. Christianity is a supernatural religion. And this is, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pray for you, but let me, let me just say, if you ever doubled down on anything, double down on your supernatural Christianity. Pray in tongues more than you've ever prayed in tongues. Amen. If you've ever, if you've ever gone out to win people to Jesus, do it more now than ever. If you've ever, if you ever had a wonder or a doubt, I don't know. I feel like my church isn't filled with the Holy Ghost. I feel like they're not allowing the Spirit to move. If you see people that are trying to quench the work of the Holy Spirit, I, you know, you get one life to live. One life. Why would you plant yourself in a place that doesn't even want the Holy Spirit to move? Why would you set yourself in a place 
where there's no manifestation of God's power. Why would you waste a life? You only get one life. As the poet wrote, one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I want to be where the Holy Spirit is moving. I want to be where the power of God is moving. I want to see God use me in that way. You know, you don't have to be a preacher for the Lord to use you to see the sick healed, to see people delivered, to see people. You don't have to be a preacher for that. Every one of us who has access to the Holy Spirit has access to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I'm praying for you here at the end of this broadcast. Now, listen, I'm here for the next two nights. I felt strong on my spirit to do this uh, series. I was praying today. This kept hitting me over and over and over. There's three areas that the enemy is trying to use to hinder the movement of the church. Three areas. So I'm going to take one night and hammer each one of these areas. Tonight, the anti-supernatural area. The devil would love more than anything for the church to become an anti-supernatural church. Then what are you going to do? You can't lift up the shield of faith and quench every fiery dart of the wicked one because you've already quenched the Holy Spirit. You've already quenched the Holy Spirit. That's not going to be our story. In fact, I want you to put it in the comments tonight. That will not be my story. Put it in the comments. That will not be my story. That will not be my story in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray for every person that's watching this tonight. Father, if they're not filled with the Holy Ghost, let them be filled tonight by the power of your Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for these churches in the United States of America that have lost that hunger. They've lost the fire. They've lost their ability to yield to the Holy Spirit. I pray that conviction would come upon every leader. I pray that a hunger would come upon every leader. And I pray that the mighty power of your Holy Spirit would sweep through these churches once again. Father, I don't pray that they shut down. I pray that they catch back on fire. I pray that you let revival sweep through this nation and the nations of the world like it never has. Lord, we're ready for our due season, our harvest of revival our harvest of souls being saved and people being discipled. We're ready to see it. We thank you that the enemy has no authority over God's people, no power over the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we have dominion, we have authority, we have the use of the name of Jesus Christ. It is the name that's above every other name. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you honor and glory that you've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you for using us. Thank you for placing the Holy Spirit within us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making us new creations. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Now, Lord, we thank you that as this year is coming to a close, a new momentum is coming upon every one of your people in Jesus' name. We thank you that we're getting ready to run with new momentum, new strength, new boldness, new fire. And as we cross over into this new year, I pray that it would be the most productive and effective years that we've ever seen in the body of Christ. Our year of transformation. We won't look the same. Everything's going to look different by the time you're done moving in us and through us. Everything's changing for the better. Everything's changing for the better. So we give you thanks and praise. I pray for those, Lord, tonight that the enemy's been trying to attack them 
all of the prayer requests that are coming in. Those that are battling. Someone wrote in today, pray for my husband. He's got stage four cancer. We take authority over cancer in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I command every virulent cell to die, shrivel, pass from the body in Jesus' name. Lord, for that uh, sister that's been dealing with that tumor right in the center of her body, size of an apple, wrote in and said, pray, pray for me. Pray, I'm believing for a miracle. I command that tumor to shrink, shrivel, and die and pass from her body in Jesus' name. It will not destroy her life. We take authority over it. You foul spirit of infirmity that would try to take her out. Loose your grip and let go tonight in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, every attack that's been advancing against your people, those that are watching, those that are listening, tonight, we take authority over it in Jesus' name. We command it to loose its grip and let them go in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. Throw some fire up in the comments. Let me know you're standing with me and believe in God for miracles in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> God's moving, man. I'm going to tell you, God is moving. We just came back. I've just finished 26 services in 21 days. 26 services in 21 days. People are being saved, healed, delivered. It's, I mean, the miracles are, are it's like there's a hunger like I've never seen for a move of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to sow into what God's doing with Miracle Word Ministries. This is the biggest year that we've ever had as far as doing the most for the Lord, seeing the most impact, more than we ever have, more than we ever have. You're a part of that. I want to encourage you, if you've not done so, to partner with us, to stand with us on a monthly basis. And here's what you can do. You can go to the website that uh, you see on the screen, miracleword.com. There's digital ways you can give, but if you go to the website, all of the ways to give are there. And I want to encourage you to sow a seed of faith, something that moves God's hand towards you, something that takes faith for you to accomplish. And believe God that by the time we hit the new year, we're coming through in financial increase like we've never seen. It's my prayer for you. Rod said, can wait for the 28th at Central Assembly. We've got the Victory Tribe one night. It's the homecoming weekend. I cannot wait to be there with you guys. It's this month. We're already here. It's the homecoming weekend, October the 28th. It's at 7 o'clock at Central Assembly of God. I want every one of you that can to join us, to come hang with us. Um, it's it's going to be so powerful, man. I'm, I'm so excited to see all of the Victory Tribe in one place. And then, of course, for those of you that registered, we've got the brunch on the next day in the morning. I am so pumped up. We've got announcements for you. We've got some huge, huge things happening. And I can't hardly hold it in. I'm trying. I can hardly hold it in. We've got some huge announcements for you guys. Cannot wait to share them with you personally. Very, very excited about that. Very excited about it. All the details, by the way, are on the website. If you need the address, if you need the times, all of that, miracleword.com. And again, thank you to everybody that is sowing seed into this ministry. We love you and very much appreciate you. Um, what, are we, what, what is our gift of the month? We are sending to you Dr. Bill Winston, Faith and the Marketplace. 
Let me tell you, if there's anybody in 2022 that stirs my faith, one of the main ministers that stirs my faith, Dr. Bill Winston. And uh, we're going to send you this book, Faith and the Marketplace. Uh, it'll teach you. You know, God has called you to prosper for a reason. And this will build your faith and help you to understand that what you're doing, even in your own personal business, is done not only to glorify God, but God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the kingdom. And so that's our gift to you in the month of October. For those of you that are sowing seed, if you want to receive that, uh, that book, those of you that are sowing, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and uh, you can let us know where to send it. I'll be back again tomorrow night, same time, nine o'clock New York City time to continue this series, Exposing the Devil's Playbook for 2023. I'm going to give you the second thing that the Lord dealt with me about that this antichrist agenda wants to take hold of this generation and to hinder the church from completing her purpose. And uh, you don't want to miss it. And then finally, we're going to close it out on Thursday night, same time, nine o'clock New York City time. And I'm gonna show you the third thing the Lord dealt with me on. Thanks for hanging with me tonight. I love you guys very much. Have a wonderful night and I'll see you again tomorrow. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.